I think I need to practice one more time that he is risen. And what we're going to do is this. I'm going to say he is risen, and you're going to say he is risen indeed. I'll say it the second time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And then the third time I say it, he is risen. And you say he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's, let's try this. This is going to be difficult, but let's try this. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, you are listening. Wonderful. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel from Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But the apostles did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. It is so wonderful to be here on our first Easter in this place. It's so exciting, yes. It, you know, it is a good thing to be here. And I can't help but think of all the, all the things that are happening here. We have these two wonderful trumpeters who are here, both students from Chapman, I believe. One's a student from Chapman, and the other's the nephew of Tim Hall. And so they're here, they're playing for us. The, the worship banners have been made. Um, the worship arts team, they've been busy. You can smell the food. The ground crew's been working to get the grass down. I mean, we've been doing a lot of things. It's wonderful. Even today, there are people here celebrating special announcements or special moments in their life. Sheridan is here, and it's your birthday today, so happy birthday, Sheridan. I promise we won't sing to you. Yeah. And the Keene family, they're celebrating their, their marriage, their wedding anniversary, and, and there's these beautiful pink flowers for them. And so it's a beautiful day. It's filled with festivities, and it should be. It should be filled with joy and, and, and wonderful smells and sounds and, and music and laughter and peace and joy because this is our day. This is the day when Christ rose victorious and because he won, because he defeats the sin, death, and the devil, we too will win. We too will be victorious. We too will live with God forever. This is our day. And so we should be filled with hallelujahs and amens and, and chants and, and sounds and, and smells and everything else. He is risen. He is risen amen to that. That's our day. This is our day. The best day. 
Well, this morning, as we're filled with all this wonderful excitement and, and beautiful things around us, it's easy to forget that we've gathered to hear a word, a word that's meant to give us life. And I want to share with you one single word to help unlock our gospel reading from Luke 24. And I'm going to see if you're paying attention. So the word is remember. Can you say that to me? Remember. Okay, you're awake. Praise God. My, one of my acolytes was starting to fall asleep, and I go, he's a young man, it's okay. Sorry, Sasha. But the word is remember. And I want you to, to listen to why this word's so important. In verse 5 and following. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And then it says, Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day be raised again. And then verse 8 is so beautiful. Then they remembered his words. That's the key word for us. Remember what Jesus has said. You might not know this, but in the original language, in the Greek, the word remember means to meditate upon, to pay attention, to proclaim, invoke, commemorate, and confess. In the Bible, the word remember occurs 163 times. And it's used for both God and man. When God remembers, he remembers his people. He remembered Noah when he was in the ark. He remembered his covenant to Abraham. He remembered the people in Egypt. He remembered Jonah in the grave. When God remembers, he remembers us. And it's so beautiful because in scripture, there is also something he, he doesn't remember. And it's so beautiful. There's something that God forgets. And you've heard this before. What is it that God forgets? Our sin. He doesn't remember that. Why? Because Christ died on the cross for us. He doesn't remember your sin. You might. Your spouse might. <laughs> All the husbands are going, here. Yeah. <laughs> but God doesn't remember our sin. But he does remember us. So God remembers us, his people. Now when man remembers, we're called to remember the great things of God, the great deliverances of God, the great works of God. From Deuteronomy 24, it says, Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Or 1 Chronicles 16, Remember the wondrous works that God has done, his miracles he uttered. And so in Scripture... When God remembers, it's he's remembering his people. When we're called to remember, we're called to remember the great things that God has done. Are any of you familiar with the name Captain Eddie Rickenbacker? Oh, some of you might know who that name is. I didn't know this until I read up on it. Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, he lived till he was, until 1973. But Captain Eddie was famous for something. Captain Eddie, would, he lived in Florida, and he would take a bucket every Friday night with shrimp, filled with shrimp, and he'd feed it to the seagulls. Now, if shrimp comes into our home, we're, we're devouring it. We're not feeding it to any birds. But not Captain Eddie. He would pass it, throw it out to the birds. And people often asked him why he did, he did that. 
Well, for some of you know the story, during World War II, his B-17 airplane ran out of gas, and the crew had to ditch into the South Pacific. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions had to fight the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. They were in a raft for a month. No one knew where they were at. And in that raft, they had many things, many threats. Their largest raft was nine feet long. There were many sharks longer than that. And Matt, you know about big sharks. He caught a large shark. Was, how big was that large shark you caught? 900 pounds. Big. And yet that wasn't their greatest threat. Their greatest threat was the conditions. They had a little water. It rained. They could collect the water. They had no food. And the heat was ridiculous. And so after two weeks of very little water, no food, scorching sun, they realized they were going to die. And so the crew basically had a service that night. And Captain Eddie pulled down his, his hat. And he thought, this is my last night. I'm dying. But then he said something landed on his head. And they are hundreds of miles from shore. Nothing should be landing on his head. But he realized it was a seagull. And when he looked up, everyone else realized there was a seagull on his head. They haven't eaten in two weeks, and you get one chance at this thing. And so moving as slow as he can, but also as fast as he can, he caught it. And then that crew ate the flesh of the bird. And they kept the intestines. I know, but you know why? Because they went fishing with those intestines. And they were able to catch some fish and survive two more weeks on the ocean before, but before they were rescued. Now can you see why he would feed those seagulls every Friday? Because it was a seagull who gave up its life hundreds of miles off the shore that allowed them to live. And so for the rest of his life, every Friday, and think about Friday and, and Jesus' Good Friday, I mean, I think there's, he's, he's connecting the dots there. He says, thank you. And he feeds those seagulls. Gives them shrimp. Because they fed him. That's what the Bible's talking about when it says, remember, remember what God has done for you. Remember what he did on the cross for you, not to guilt you, not to make you feel ashamed, not to feel ashamed about your sin, but to be excited, to be thankful, to be saying, thank you, Lord, you have saved me. Remember what he has done. That's what the Bible calls us to do. The problem is that the women who are there, who are with Jesus, they're not remembering. They're forgetting all that Jesus has done. And so the angels have to say to them once again, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee? Now this is very important because if you look and think about those women, amazing things happened to them and to people in Galilee. It was in Galilee where Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount. It was in Galilee where Jesus performed so many of his miracles. In Galilee, he raised a boy from the dead. And it was in Galilee where each of those women who were visiting Jesus at the tomb, each of them had been healed by Jesus individually. 
And so when the angels were saying, remember Galilee, remember what happened in your life, remember how God saved you, remember what Jesus was doing. Remember the good things that God does? That's what the angels were saying to them, remember. Because in truth, on that Easter morning, if the women were really remembering, they should have been there in the morning, sitting down, waiting for that tomb to open. Because Jesus had said, the Son of Man must die, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. But they didn't remember. They didn't remember those words. And you know what? I don't blame them. I mean, think about it. Think of traveling with Jesus for three years. I mean, how many sermons does he give? How many amazing words does he say? He says all kinds of things. He was turning the world upside down. They were living it. They were experiencing it. And so how all of this was going to work out, I imagine they had no clue. They didn't know exactly how it all worked out. Even if Jesus said it, how could they even imagine? Jesus was so young, so strong, so popular. How could they ever imagine that he would die? And so, of course, they were confused. But they're not the only ones who get confused. We're no different. All of us, we have the Holy Scripture. We have 2,000 years of, of church after Jesus. We have heard sermons our whole lives. And do you get everything about God? No! An honest man. Thank you, Jeff. We don't. There's so much about God. How can we possibly know all these things? And so the Bible calls us to remember, to think about, meditate on his word, because we can't remember it all. We can't figure it all out. I remember when I was in seminary, my first year, going to be a pastor. I'm away from all distractions. I'm in Minnesota, don't you know? <laughs> it's snowing. There's nothing to do except study. And here I'm learning, and I'm learning, I'm learning about God. And I remember the more I learned about God, the more terrified I was, the more I wanted to quit. And it wasn't because I stopped believing, it was realized, I realized there's a whole lot to know about God, and I'm never going to get it all. And I said, why then even try? And I remember calling my wife, not my wife at the time, but telling her, you know, I might be coming home. Instead, she said, well, isn't there anyone you can talk to? I don't think she wanted me to come home yet. <laughs> and so I went to my advisor, Paul Berge, a New Testament teacher, a wonderful man. And I told him, I just said, there's all these things I'm learning, and I can't put it all together. I think I need to quit. And Paul kind of smiled. He's a very gentle man. And he leaned forward and he said, oh, Russ, first, I'm not going to let you quit, so just get that out of your head. And then he said, don't you understand? He said, I'm a doctor of theology of the New Testament. I've been teaching for 40-something years, teaching students. I've written articles, written books. I don't have it all figured out. Not even close. And he said to me, he goes, on my desk, on the right-hand corner, or left-hand corner, is a stack of books, or a stack of papers. 
And he said, these are the projects I'm working through and I'm always working through. Because he said, there's so many things I just don't know. And he said, I, I would get overwhelmed if I try to figure it all out. So I just try to figure one thing out at a time. And that's what he does. And so he said, do the same. Don't you know? That's exactly what the angels are saying when they say, remember. They're calling the disciples, calling those women to think about what Jesus has said. Remember his words. Remember his actions. Why? Not because you're going to get the whole thing figured out, but you might get something figured out. And as you start to figure that out, it will lead you into a new truth, into a new truth, into a new truth. And so remember what he said. Remember what he did. Remember who he was. Think about it. Meditate on it. Because no one's going to have it all figured out. God doesn't expect us to. Instead, he gives us his word for it to put us back together. Because in truth, if we're honest with ourselves, so many of us come to church with our faith on a string. And we don't need to hear messages about a vacation. We simply need the Bible to be opened. And we need to hear God's good word. A word of forgiveness, a word of hope, a word of eternal life. Words that you heard as children that you need to hear as adults. To meditate on them, to think about, to ponder, to memorize. So that they might put us back together. All of us need that. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee... The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Now I want to end with this final thought. We've been looking at, at the way we're supposed to remember. But remember what I told you at the beginning? Not only does man remember, but who else remembers? God. God remembers us. God remembers his people. God remembers us to save us. And that's what happens in the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Zachariah sees Jesus. He holds Jesus in his hand, the baby Jesus. And he says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. And then the very last thing that happens on the day of his death, he has a thief right next to him. And what does the thief say to Jesus? As he looks over, he says, remember me in your kingdom. Remember me, O Lord. And what does Jesus say to him? He doesn't say, you have sinned too much. You have too much doubt. You've been a wretch. No, our God dying on the cross says to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because God remembers. He remembers you. He doesn't remember your sin, but he remembers you and he has forgiven you and he has delivered you from sin, death, and the devil. He remembers. He remembers you. He will never forsake you, never abandon you. He is with you always, even to the end of the age. And off the end of the age, he will come again to grab you and the whole church to make the new Jerusalem where there will be no more sorrow and no more sin and no more death and no more pain. But we will be with God and all of our doubts will be away. And we will live like we have never lived before. 
God remembers. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.